Welcome in to Locked On Knicks. Alex Wolf and Gavin Shaw here. And it was deadline day today, Gavin, but we were pretty uh we were pretty asleep throughout that whole thing. Nothing really to do because the Knicks didn't make any moves. And then they make a big move later in the day and beat the Warriors on the road, where the Warriors have been almost unbeatable in their home building to end the night off. Hey, you know what? You trade Alec Burks, you trade Cam Reddish. Maybe you don't get this massive win tonight. 116-114 to 114 over the Golden State Warriors. Julius Randle, fourth straight gate, great game. We'll get into that. We'll get into our final thoughts on the Knicks' day of inactivity next on Locked on Knicks. You are Locked on Knicks, your daily New York Knicks podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. And I think we see Willis coming out. Here he comes right now. Starts without a five. Ewing for the win. Yes. Up, up left. Now fires it. He's good. And he's fouled. And he's fouled. Anthony for three. Welcome in to Locked On Knicks. We wanted to thank you guys for making Locked On Knicks your first listen today and every day, uh, whether it's on your favorite podcasting platform or whether you've been checking us out on YouTube, which, you know, we keep we keep trying to advertise. You know, you can see our, our bright smiling faces every day, particularly today after an unexpected feel-good win. Uh, I am Alex Wolf. I'm editor-in-chief of Knicks site, The Strickland, which you can find at thestrick.land. He is Gavin Shaw, your favorite play-by-play broadcaster's favorite play-by-play broadcaster. And this is our post-trade deadline show, which we thought would be coming quite a bit sooner. We thought there were going to be some deals and we were going to have like a, a rapid reaction show. And Gavin, I'll fully admit, I came into this game against the Warriors expecting to leave super angry. Uh, and just, I was like, I'm miserable I want to be miserable. Like, come on, give me the 30-point blowout. Like, just just kick me more while I'm down. Like, the, the masochistic side of myself kicked in, and I was like, today sucks. They didn't do anything. I'm angry. And then the Knicks come out and have, like, their most fun game in weeks, beat the Warriors by two, and Julius Randle comes out and delivers a vintage last-year Julius Randle performance, 28 points, 16 boards, 7 assists, 10 to 23 shooting, and just was a dynamo all game, Gavin. And I think this was, you know, that this was just sort of the exclamation point on a really great stretch of games that he played recently that led into the trade deadline. And and probably there's there is like some world where, or maybe even this world where that potentially saved his job with the Knicks here. Yeah, I, I think, you know, I, I'll, I'll never be happy about R.J. Barrett being out, especially with how well he's been playing recently. But I think it it simplified things for Julius, right? Because there was there was no one else to worry about. Like, he could kind of just go out there and, to your point, be the uh, 2021 version of himself where everything is flowing through him. And he continued to do the best possible impression of that guy by not or, – or, you know, it's weird. It's <laughs> over this four-game stretch – He's he's sort of playing like he did last year, like in terms of confidence and feel, but not really. Like last year, all of his success was because he hit just this insane diet of jumpers. And right now he's playing 
I would argue, almost a better brand of basketball, knowing that he's just not quite that shooter anymore. He continues to push the pace, like, again, just from the get-go, really, really getting to the basket, which last year, if there was one complaint to be had about Julius, it was that he didn't get to the rim enough. In this game, shot 8-12 from the free throw line, had a couple of blow-bys for layups. Um, I love the way that he was, was rolling to the rim, um, and, and so many times, like in, in the short roll, like he wouldn't always get the assist, whether it's because it was a missed shot or turned into a hockey assist, but he would, he would create looks just by rolling off a screen, catching the ball and, and just keeping the machine moving. Um, even had some post-ups that, that looked pretty darn good. Like my favorite one of the game was when, when he backed down, uh, Jonathan Kuminga and, and, and Nemanja Bielitsa came over and helped, but he, he just hit a double pump with, with basically both of them fouling him. Um, it was just uh, over and over again. I thought smart decisions, aggressive play, focused play from Julius Randle. And we've seen at times, Alex, even though he's been great these last three games, that he sort of lost focus as the game has gone on and he's taken a couple of bad shots here and there. That happened once or twice tonight, but I, I thought he toned that down even more. I, I have no complaints about this night from Julius Randle. That, that's, that's a rare statement on this year. Yeah, I, I feel the same way, you know, and like, first thought like you mentioned Kuminga on him maybe not the not the toughest matchup ever getting a rook on you although I I gotta just shout out Kuminga New Jersey product who I loved going into the draft I think he's gonna be a player he looks really good um but like I, I thought that he just did a perfect job of taking advantage of what was given to him in this game and the pushing the pace is the biggest thing to me you know that that you mentioned and that translates with or without RJ um you know that's that's something that they're doing great together right now that those two in particular seem to have a a, you know if nothing else a a bond between the two of them where they say we're gonna push the pace you know no matter what everybody else is doing we're gonna make sure that we're running right now and it's it's starting to become kind of infectious and this team that was I don't even think I could say one of the slowest teams. I'm fairly certain that through the first like 40, 45, whatever games, they were the slowest team in the NBA in pace. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It, you know, they're finally starting to sort of run a little bit and go figure. It works really well when you have a bunch of guys on the team that can do good things that can get downhill and play some of their best basketball that way. Like Julius Randle in transition, like Obi Toppin, uh, like, you know, Evan Fournier even has his moments in transition sometimes. You know, and if nothing else, you've got shooters, too, where you can, you know, if Julius drives it in transition and runs into some opposition at the rim, he can kick it out to like a Quentin Grimes or a Fournier or even a Kemba Walker for a three pointer. Or maybe in the case of today's game, a Cam Reddish, who I think had a really great game as well. Like, you know, and this is the other thing, you know, you mentioned, obviously, you don't want to be without R.J. Barrett. Honestly, like sort of shame on Mike Preen and Brendan Brown at one point, like they almost made it like they almost presented it in such a way as if to say like, well, maybe it's kind of a good thing that RJ Barrett got hurt because now we get to see more of Cam Reddish and Quentin Grimes. Like, no, like it was in defense. You know, they were like trying to say that in defense of Tibbs leaving RJ in the other day. That was still a huge freaking mistake to leave RJ in that game the other day. Like, let's not, let's not sugarcoat that. Yeah. Well, the implication there is like Tibbs intended for RJ to get hurt. He's like, all right, this is how I can open up time for cam. You guys all wanted cam. I'm going to play RJ so much. He hurts his ankle. Exactly. Yeah. It's like, there's no world where that is a good thing. Like RJ Barrett should be out there and he's been like one of the few consistent bright lights of this Knicks team recently. Uh, But Reddish, I thought had a really good game, 19 minutes, 12 points, four of eight shooting one of three from three had three assists as well. 
uh, the assists were what kind of stood out. The one in particular was like gorgeous. He he was he sort of like started a drive into the paint, and Randall was right there. And that was one of the the post ups that you mentioned from Randall. And Reddish just like knifed this pass into him, where I think it caught Randall off guard. I don't think that he thought that Reddish would be able to fit that window. And then Randall gets his like, oh crap, and then figured it out, and you know pulled a nice little pivot and a and like a little righty hook kind of uh, to finish that play off, but. Just a gorgeous display of passing from Cam on that play. And then just his general decisiveness, I thought that the the shot selection was better. There was only one – okay, I'll say there were two attempts that sort of made me go, ugh. And the one was just sort of like a heat check three that he took at one point. And, you know, fine, whatever. He, was, he had made a three shortly before that and was sort of starting to cook a little bit. So fine, let him take that one. The other one, he got sort of hot potatoed the ball by Alec Burks at the end of the – shot clock and my you know it was a bad situation my only complaint was that it just he had barely enough time to get his feet set and to put up a normal looking jumper and instead just took one of those weird like we've already seen it a couple times from him where he's like almost like fading away but not and he's just sort of like kicking his legs forward while he's shooting and that shot came up like way way short go figure but other than that I, I liked his shot selection and I liked what he was doing out there I liked his defense you know, he had some good moments on like Clay Thompson and stuff. Like, that's that's nothing to sneeze at. I know Clay's still, you know, working his way back into shape, but he's one of the better scorers of this last generation. And Cam did a pretty good job against him. So I, I was very encouraged by Cam Reddish's game in this one. He shoots some like insanely bad line drives at times. Like, he almost gets whatever syndrome Obi has when he's off from three, like, I think occasionally affects. Uh, Cam Reddish, but I'm, I'm with you. He was awesome, and I, I thought you you found the perfect word there: decisive. Just just quick decisions like that, uh, like insanely athletic layup he had over Bealitz. He had another play where he was on the right wing, and he just uh, again just because he made a fast choice, like he he split a double team, got to the rim, drew a foul for two. Like I, I'm really intrigued by what I'm seeing from Cam Reddish. And I, I even said this the other night against the Nuggets, where he was mostly terrible, or maybe it was it might have been two games ago against the Jazz, but. Um, I think his process has by and large been, again, a few bad decisions every game aside. His process has by and large been good. He's clearly working hard on defense. He's clearly trying to make the right decision on offense. I think most of the time he's just trying to keep the ball moving. And I think Tibbs has basically said to him, like, hey, I'm going to give you a chance here, but you got to show me you can play the right way. Like, I, I don't want the guy who's jacking up like nine mid range shots a game um, on the Hawks. And to Cam's credit, like, he's fully bought in and, and more so than a lot of the guys who are, who are guaranteed 30 minutes a night on this Knicks team. I think he's making the right decision, playing unselfishly. And and you combine that with, again, those bursts of athleticism that he has. Uh, the Knicks will really have something if he can stay consistent with that. Uh, next guy I want to go to, I, I don't have anyone off the top of my head. I'm going to say Quentin Grimes, who's, who's relatively quiet, only took – Four shots in 31 minutes, went two for four from three. The biggest one uh, came on a three with like, I think it was like five or six minutes left. It was a great play. Um, I can't remember who missed the initial shot, but Julius Randle, uh, credit, fantastic positioning, uh, got the offensive rebound, kicked it out to Evan Fournier. Evan Fournier missed. Mitch went flying in, and Mitch, Mitch had valiant effort when he clearly wasn't 100%. A couple of big rebounds. He got another offensive board. Kick out to Fournier, kick over to Grimes. Grimes for three. And Alex, I just, I kind of want to know if you had the same feeling I did. I was a hundred percent sure that shot was going to go in for Quentin Grimes. And it's such a, it's so nice to have that guy on the Knicks because I, I can't remember the last time they've, they've had a shooter of that caliber. Maybe it was mellow when he was wide open where you just knew it was going to go in like quickly when he's hot, you feel that way, but I don't feel that way about quickly every night. 
Yeah, well, I will save that answer for just one second from now. I just got to let everybody know that today's show is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before as football continues its march through the playoffs right to the big game this Sunday. And betonline.net remains the best spot for all of your sports scores, podcasts, and news this season. And it's not just football. Bet Online has up to the minute info on pro and college hoops, NHL, boxing, UFC, along with real uh, with live real time updates of current games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the new amazing offers available for the 2022 season. Bet Online, where the game starts. And we just had to uh, let you guys know it is Super Week. We're almost to the end of Super Week, but it is Super Week brought to you by Get Upside. And there's no better place to get coverage of the big game than the Locked On NFL podcast. Locked On Bengals and Locked On Rams are in L.A. all week covering the big game. All right, Gavin, uh, to answer your question from just a minute ago. Uh, yeah, I Grimes is starting to become that guy. I don't I'm trying to think of who my last, you know, guy that I thought like that I, I always thought that the threes were going to go in. No, that's a good example that I forgot. That's, about. that's who I was going to say. Actually. It's so funny that you say that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say like, I think Steve Novak is that guy for me. Like the last one that the Knicks had where, you know, everything is so consistent with how he shoots and, and approaches the game and everything that with Grimes, I'm, I'm just like, every time it comes out of his hand, it rarely looks like it's going to be off. And, so I, I kind of just always think that he's going to make it. And, yeah, I, I enjoyed this game from him. You know, it wasn't anything jaw-dropping. Um, it wasn't anything too, you know, out of the ordinary for him. But he did draw the start. I will also say, too, an encouraging thing as it relates to Reddish with Grimes. You know, Grimes obviously got this opportunity. I, I and I'm sure most people were probably thinking, oh, Alec Burks is going to take this start. And then Tibbs surprised and put Grimes in there. Um, which maybe isn't totally surprising considering he seems that to think of of Grimes as like the you know the the replacement of RJ you know like in his substitution pattern so maybe that's why he made that move but Tibbs did speak pretty effusively of Reddish after the game and did sort of say like you know whether you believe this or not considering guys like Kemba Walker continuing to get minutes um, yeah, he did say basically like this is a meritocracy like. I'm not just going to give a guy minutes based off potential. Like I've got to see that he's working in practice and that he's working in games and you know, that, that he's playing well and blah, 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 you know, and, and then really praise Cam's work ethic and professionalism and all that stuff. I think we all sort of had thought that Tibbs hated Cam because he hadn't played him hardly at all since the trade. Uh, so it was kind of good to see that, um, you know, and hear those, those comments out of him uh, as far as, other guys in this game. I mean, I will shout out Fournier. I thought that he he played a perplexing game, I think is the way I would put it. He he didn't necessarily play a great game through and through like Julius Randle. Like he definitely had some boneheaded plays where he let up, you know, easy shots on the defensive end and coughed the ball up once or twice. Uh, or to be exact, three times, three turnovers in this game uh, that were not fantastic. But... Ends with 22 points, 7 of 17 shooting, 5 of 13 from deep. And I, I thought that he displayed some good shot making in this game, some good clutch shot making for sure. We just passed the trade deadline and he didn't get dealt. Maybe in his case, it's a good, which we'll talk about how we feel about that in a minute. But 
maybe in his case, it's a good thing because he seems to really be finding himself as far as his, his best brand of basketball lately. So if the Knicks do intend on trading him, maybe the better move is to wait till the soft season anyway, because I think that he's, if he continues on the trajectory he's going right now, he's going to resuscitate his value quite a bit. Yeah. One thing, one thing I'll note that this isn't purely a Fournier thing, but there was, I can't remember. I think it was just Randall, like, beat his guy, drove into the lane, kicked it out to the wing to Fournier, and Fournier missed it. And then right after, Fournier immediately looked at Randall and kind of, like, tapped himself on the chest and, like, pointed at him. And it was, like, sort of, like, my bad, good pass. And, like, to you, like, like you were you were someone, dude, and to your credit, who was pointing out a lot earlier in the year that the vibes were were not so good between those two, and it seemed like they, they maybe didn't like each other so much. I think an underrated part about how Julius is playing right now is that he's, I mean, not only setting a great example for everyone else and, like, like because I mean, if your best player is playing that hard, everyone has to play that hard. But I think his ball movement and the fact that teammates are finally confident that like they'll get the ball from him, I, I think is just creating just such a better atmosphere. And Fournier, I mean, I mean, those two over this whole West Coast road trip have showed off good chemistry that continued tonight, and, and maybe it paid off in some additional confidence down the stretch for Fournier because he had a couple of nasty threes over Clay Thompson. He had that one in the corner where Thompson was closing out hard. And Fournier, he almost did the Duncan Robinson thing where, like, Duncan Robinson will catch the ball, like, at his forehead and just flick it up without ever bringing it down. That was pretty nice. And then had the crossover step back. I think that it was to make it 107-102. Just a, just a massive, massive shot. I, I think shooters take a special pleasure in hitting shots over Curry and Clay because they're so used to being on the wrong end of that. Uh, final note for me from this one, uh, a quick shout-out to Taj Gibson. Two for two from the corner. Second straight game. He's made two three pointers. The shot looks pretty good. If, if the post game ever goes away, he might he might play into his early forties as just sort of kind of a stretch five. Yeah, I think I think that's uh, that's obviously where the the future is headed for Taj. He's probably going to get a a pretty handsome contract going into yeah. his forties. <laughs> you know, I think that's why the Knicks were trying to get off their other vets today. They they knew they needed to make room for Taj. That's true. Can we can we maybe uh, uh, get back on the Taj is is going to get knocked for a Balco scandal <laughs> thing again? You know, he's now using performance enhancers to turn himself into a stretch five this late in his career. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, his shots felt pretty money, too. I actually felt a weird sense of comfort when he was shooting from the corners, too. Weirdly enough, it would, you know, talking about guys that that we feel like it's going to go in. Yeah, I, I kind of felt that with him, which was kind of weird. Uh, I'll just before we get to the trade deadline or lack thereof in our last segment, I'll uh, I'll shout out Alec Burks too. I thought this was a good bounce back game for him after he's been having. I mean, really, like uh, Breen and, and Brendan brought this up a number of times, but this was this was kind of a, a much needed, really good game for the bench in general. I think you know even the guys like quickly that you know quickly didn't have the most statistically you know shocking game ever or anything but I, I think that he was playing well he's playing within himself you know I, I don't think that any guy on the bench was really having like a a so-so game I thought they all put forth a pretty good effort but Alec Burks definitely had one of his best games in a while 15 points four seven shooting uh six boards five assists you know he belongs off the bench like period and I hope you know, if he's going to continue being on the team, which obviously he is, he didn't get traded today, which we'll talk about in a second. But, you know, I, I hope that the Knicks continue to play him in the role that he should be playing, which is to say off the bench, because he should be off the bench. He should not be a starting point guard. Let's just avoid that. 
as much as we can and maybe avoid Kemba Walker minutes as much as we can too the rest of the way out. And this should hopefully be a lot more fun. But we'll talk about that in just a second. Uh, Gavin, did you want to real quick let everybody know about Shopify before we get into our trade deadline wrap-up talk? Uh, of course, uh, nothing more in the world. Uh, I, I love I love the Shopify sound. Every time I hear it, it makes me smile. It's the sound of another sale on Shopify, the all-in-one commerce platform to start, run, and grow your business. Shopify gives entrepreneurs the resources once reserved for big businesses, so upstart startups and established businesses alike can sell everything, sell everything everywhere, synchronize online and in-person sales, and effortlessly stay informed. Scaling your business is a journey of endless possibility. Believe me, this podcast started out, oh man, what were, what were our first ads? We, we, didn't really, we really didn't have a lot of ads when we first started out. Let and you. today, <laughs> we, there you go. There you go. One of our all-time favorites, one of Ian Begley's all-time favorites. Uh, and now we get to sell you uh, McDonald's. We get to sell you Shopify. It's, it's incredible. And we're not stopping there because success is a million milestones on a forever evolving path. Like mine, Shopify powers millions of businesses from first sale to full scale. They reach customers online across social networks with an ever-growing suite of channel integrations and apps, including Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, Pinterest, and more. So you can gain insights as you grow with detailed reporting of conversion rates, profit margins, and beyond. More than a store, Shopify grows with you. This is possible. This is possibility powered by Shopify. So go to Shopify.com slash locked on MBA, all lowercase for a free 14-day trial and get full access to Shopify's entire suite of features. Grow your business with Shopify today. Go to Shopify.com slash locked on MBA right now. Shopify.com slash locked on MBA. And today's show is also brought to you by Built Bar. And you guys know what time of year it is. It's February which means that a lot of people typically are getting out of their New Year's resolutions at this point, but not this year. I am personally sticking with my resolution to eat right thanks to Built Bar. It almost feels like it's not really a resolution. I'm making no concessions here because I actually love eating Built Bars. Have you tried the Built Bar Puffs? If you haven't, you're missing out on one of Built Bar's best tasting bars. Puffs are the first ever protein-infused marshmallow. They're fluffy, they're marshmallowy, they're not just a protein bar, they're a treat, and they're covered in 100% real chocolate. Puffs are a fan favorite with some incredible flavors like yummy cinnamony churro, one of my favorites, coconut marshmallow, also one of my favorites, <laughs> and banana cream pie, so good. These are going to be your new favorite too. All Built Bars are covered in 100% real chocolate. That's 100% real chocolate. You can't get a better shooting percentage than that. They're low-calorie, high-protein. You can replace candy bars with these. They're better. A typical candy bar can go anywhere from two to 300 calories, whereas Built Bars have just 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, 4 grams of net carbs, and a whopping 17 grams of protein. At Built Bar, they know all about the taste. They make it taste delicious first, then figure out how to make it healthy. And I don't know how, but they pull it off every time. So if you want to get some for yourself, go to Built.com. Use promo code LOCK15, and you will get 15% off your order Again, use promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at Built.com. All right. Moving right along, Gavin. Uh, this is what we expected to lead with. Uh, and yet then the Knicks just had to have a fun game. And like I said, ruin ruin the bad time we were all having. When inconsiderate. Really inconsiderate. You know, we were going to – we, we <laughs> I don't know about you, but I was mentally preparing myself to wallow on this podcast and, you know, throw a pity party be annoyed and be like, why are all these stupid vets still blocking my young players? And then, you know, the the young guys have good games and 
you know, the Knicks have a fun game against Golden State. Julius Randle continues rocking it. But at any rate, the Knicks did not do anything today uh, at the deadline. There was some rumors. Uh, Brian Windhorst, you know, the, the deal that we recorded the bonus pod on to uh, talk about that Mike Scotto and Ian Begley had reported. There was like a, a uh, reported potential deal where the Knicks would have gotten Goran Dragic and some picks and the Lakers would have gotten Burks and Cam Reddish and uh, Toronto would have gotten Noel and I think Taylor Horton Tucker. Um, you know, that that never materialized, but according to Brian Windhorst to ESPN, there was something really there. It just it never came to be. Uh, so the, the deal kind of fell apart. I don't know about the 11th hour, but maybe the ninth hour or something like that. Um, you know, it fell apart at some point during the day. Uh, and then other than that, the Knicks didn't really come up much. So, you know, there wasn't really any mention of like Alec Burks, even though there was a pretty decent number of deals done. I guess I will say, I mean, other than depending on how you want to classify like Derek White and Josh Richardson, I I don't know that I would say that there was another player moved that similar to Burks. So I guess maybe there just wasn't that much of a market for his archetype of player, you know, the like off the bench scoring guard, which we kind of thought just by default, like someone would be interested in a player like that. Um, I guess Dennis Schroeder got moved also for Daniel Tice, which was strange, but I guess not considering they got Derek White. I don't know. Anyway, um, so but that was the main name that I think we expected to go. It annoyed me at the time because and it might still annoy me as this year goes on because honestly, as fun as this game was, I do think that the Knicks still have not the best prospects the rest of the year. You know, and prospects not as in player prospects, but as in prospects for like making the play in tournament, for making the playoffs, all that stuff. I think they would be better served leaning into playing their young players more. I think by not taking away some of Tibbs's toys you're basically damning yourself to him still playing with them. Um, and that's going to mean still 30, 35 minutes for Alec Burks some nights. That's still going to mean Kemba Walker inexplicably getting 20-plus minutes for whatever reason. Um, that's going to mean we'll only see Deuce McBride for the final 25 seconds of a blowout. You know, it it, it still is annoying to me, as fun as this game was. And, and uh, I, I still do find myself wishing that the Knicks – had managed to kind of trim the fat a little bit today. And, and it was definitely disappointing to me if they didn't. Yeah, we talked about this little pre-show. I think the final result with Kemba Walker will be as soon as Derek Rose is healthy, uh, the Knicks will offer him a very minimal buyout. And I think Kemba, um, having plenty of money in the bank, will will accept it and not want to waste. Uh, I, 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 I've, he's, he's obviously past his prime, but one of the last few years of him being an NBA basketball player where he could, I, I still believe this, in the right team in the right situation, make an impact for one of the better teams in the league, coming off the bench, maybe playing 15, 17 minutes a game and getting to run the show for that time. And I, I think, I'm, again, maybe I'm wrong, but but given his uh, playoff success or lack thereof throughout his career, I'd assume that is his greatest aspiration at this point in his NBA life. And I think he'll be willing to sacrifice most of whatever's left for him to get paid. I know $8 million last year, whatever he's, he still has left in terms of money to be made this year um, to go and do that. So that's how I think things end with Kemba Walker. Uh, but the Alec Burks thing is a real dilemma because you, I, I, we, we just, we spent the whole first segment talking about it, but Cam Reddish is legitimately intriguing and the Knicks uh, need to 
to find out what they have in him, right? Like I'm, I'm, I'm stumbling over my words because like, it's so insane to me, the idea that they could give up a first round pick without being a hundred percent assured that there would be an opportunity for him to play. If he played well, he has played well. I don't know if it's on Tibbs to just do more line changes, maybe to cut like all the minutes of all the wings, because I don't think he's totally going to bench Burks. And frankly, that's unfair to Alec Burks, who, who, as we've noted multiple times on this podcast at points has been the Knicks best player this season, but you absolutely have to find a way uh, to play Cam Reddish, Deuce McBride. I'm, I'm not heartbroken if he doesn't get in this year. I think next year he will be a rotation guy for the Knicks. But Reddish, uh, there's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. He has to play. Yeah, for sure. You know, and, and th- that was a lot of the motivation that we kept hearing was like they're going to move Alec Burke so that they can clear some some room for Cam Reddish to play. And without moving him again, I don't have faith in Tibbs to even if Leon Rose like strongly suggests to him like hey, we need to really see what we've got in Cam Reddish because we have to make some financial decisions about him. I don't really see Tibbs doing it because we've seen that he's so stubborn with things that he believes to be right and is so rigid in in terms of doing the things that he thinks are going to give the Knicks the best chance to win basketball games that I don't feel confident at all that once they get back Derrick Rose, even if, you know, even if they don't buy out Kemba or you know if, if they just banish him to the bench again and say, you're out of the rotation again. And Derek Rose comes back and you still have Alec Burks on the team. You still have Fournier. RJ Barrett comes back from a sprained ankle. I don't know how they're going to find minutes for him and still be able to play Quentin Grimes, who Tibbs clearly loves like Grimes has broken through. Um, And that's worrisome, you know, because there's a world where if you, if you play Cam Reddish a good amount and maybe he continues showing you what he showed you tonight, you know, and you keep getting some good performances out of him and he strings them together, then maybe you try to lock him into a value extension this offseason. You know, use that window that you get to sign him to a rookie extension and sign him to a deal that maybe in a few years looks like a real steal. You know, if you can get it for like 12, 13, 14 million dollars, something like that. And I know that that sounds high given what we've seen from him so far, but like if he balls out, that has a real potential to, to be a, a low deal. You know, twelve million is only going to be like with the the way the new cap's going to be. That's going to be all of ten percent of the cap at this point. You know, which is not a huge number to to hold on to. Um, so you know, I I do wish that they would have gotten a trade just for that reason and that reason alone. Reddish, especially tonight, really has me worried now. Of like, I I hope that we get to see him enough this year. You know, I hope that we get to see enough out of him because. Just like R.J. Barrett, they have a decision to make on him soon because they were in the same draft class. And you got to decide on that extension this coming offseason. And then if you don't extend him, then you're going to have to deal with him hitting restricted free agency next year and potentially matching some big offer sheet to to get him and, you know, keep him from getting poached by some other team. So, yeah, it's I don't know. Regardless of everything else, you know, I said this was not going to be too much of a downer, but I, I do find myself kind of down a little bit still because I I was still expecting more out of today um, in terms of the Knicks, you know, just stacking up some other small assets and, you know, clearing some space and having a more defined vision of what the rest of the season is going to be. And I get the feeling that for as fun as this game was, we're still going to find ourselves a lot of nights scratching our heads and going, all right, where is this team going? You know, after they lose another three games in a row or something, I, I wouldn't be surprised if the Knicks end up you know, 10 games under 500 at some point at the rate that they're going right now, where they're currently sitting at six under, you know, and Tibbs will still be playing his same style 
every single night trying to win every game for reasons that don't really make any sense. So I, I, I'm not looking forward to whenever it is that we hit that point of the season, unless the Knicks go on like a super big run, which I just don't really see happening. Yeah. And uh, a final topic on my end, but outside of uh, the Knicks moves or lack thereof, uh, the biggest trade on the day uh, involved a name that was the biggest Knicks move of the last couple of years at the trade deadline Chris Stapps Porzingis getting dealt to the Washington Generals, a.k.a. Wizards, uh, a.k.a. Uh, you know what? I, I, that's all I have for them. Um, but uh, Spencer Dinwiddie and Davis Bertans going back to the Mavericks. I'm interested in what the implications are of that move in regards to one Jalen Brunson, because now they're all of a sudden they're committing a lot of money at the point guard spot to Spencer Dinwiddie, who uh, coming off a torn ACL is not as good of a player as Jalen Brunson. And the argument could be made. They got off uh, some long-term money in Chris Stapps Porzingis, who I believe had has one more year on his contract than both uh, Bertans and Dinwiddie. I'd have to double check that, but uh, there's an argument to be made. They made that move for Brunson, but I don't know. It feels weird that you're going to be paying Dinwiddie and Brunson a combined uh, like $45 million a season. Like that's maybe, maybe that's high in terms of projecting Brunson, but even $40 million a year for both those guys. I'm, I'm fascinated to see how that one plays out and what Dallas is thinking was. And if that was a move to say, Hey, we're sure Brunson's coming back. Or if that was a move to say, we're sure he's gone. They immediately extended uh, Dorian Finney Smith. I'm not sure if Brunson could have been extended now, but obviously that did not happen. He can. Um, yeah. oh, well, there so, you go. So uh, Brunson is in the literally the exact same position as Mitchell Robinson, where yes. he can he can sign an extension all the way up until the start of free agency uh, this year. So I don't think that he's coming back. I think this deal this deal followed immediately by them re-upping DFS. Basically said it's over, it's done. Like Brunson's leaving. Whether it's going to be to the Knicks, you know, if the Knicks can can shuffle the deck and and find a way to get the money for him. Or if it's to the Pistons, who apparently have some interest in are, are going to have gobs and gobs of cash this offseason uh, to throw around. So, what and sort of an interesting like parallel situation where he could go from playing with Luca to playing with Cade. So just like a younger version of the Luca archetype. Um, so we'll see what happens there. But yeah, I think to me it basically spelled like he's gone because there's no way. I mean, they're going to have to dip so far into the luxury tax now too if they re-sign Brunson for like what he'll probably get, you know, which is 15, 20 million a season, something like that. Um, yeah, I would say pretty confidently it'd probably be about that number. So if they sign him to a contract like that, they're going to be in like the, like the third or fourth tier in the luxury tax bracket. Cause they already, before they even signed the DFS uh, extension, were already at like 10 or 11 million over, the luxury tax level to begin with. So add his extension. Then if you add another 20 million to that, they're going to be paying out the butt. And, you know, as much as Mark Cuban hasn't cared about that sometimes in the past, unless it looks like the team's going to be a guaranteed contender or something, I, I really doubt they're going to dip that far into the luxury tax. He's um, going to have to tack on some extra shark tank episodes and that's some extra shark tank episodes. Exactly. Um, I'll just comment. Uh, I, let's just give like real brief thoughts. Obviously the biggest, biggest trade of the day, other than the Porzingis one was just kind of funny, seeing the yeah. Mavs essentially pay to get off Porzingis. It was so weird. I still – I don't know what the logic – outside, I guess they just want a year earlier to take a big swing on a, on a real co-star for Luka. But by all accounts, KP's been pretty decent this year. So I, I think it makes this year's team worse. But 
Who, who yeah, I think thinking? so too. And Bertans has not been good. You know, like Bertans no. hasn't been good, and Dinwiddie hasn't either. Uh, so, and they attached the second round pick to to make that. It, I thought it was a bad deal for them. Um, potential upside swing for the Wizards, I guess, but I just find it funny to see Porzingis get paid to get moved off of. But obviously, the biggest deal of the day was the Harden for Simmons, uh, Seth Curry, Andre Drummond, and uh, two, first, two first round picks. Yeah. I mean, as much as I hate to admit it, I thought the Nets kind of cleaned up on that deal because the way that Harden was acting recently, his status was more or less about the same as Ben Simmons, except for the only difference was Harden was still going to show up and play, you know, some games, but just give zero effort and be terrible, which is basically what he did at the end of his Houston tenure too. Cause he has, I mean, if the all-star draft today was any indication, nobody likes him. <laughs> he is clearly like one of the most unprofessional players in the entire NBA. If he feels like he's not getting his way. Um, but I, I thought the nets honestly cleaned up by getting Curry out of that deal too. I thought they they really managed to make something happen there, plus the two first-round picks. Like, I hate to say it, the Nets look pretty damn good <laughs> right now. So I, I if I'm giving out a winner on that trade, I'm going Nets. I think it was a win-win. I mean, when was the last time in league history you had two – maybe maybe most people wouldn't put Ben Simmons in this category, but I'll say it, two megastars who essentially refused to play for their teams – and both wanted to play for the other one's team and then got dealt for each other. That is, that is the definition of a win-win <laughs> that they both got off those guys. Um, because for, from Billy's perspective, like on court, they're just replacing Seth Curry with James Harden. Like that's, I, I, I don't care how you frame it. That's, that's a win. I mean, Harden is still like 10 games removed from back-to-back 30 point triple doubles. Um, sure. He's not, he's not at his apex, but he, he is still an incredible talent. When he wants to be, he is still far and away the best player Joel Embiid has ever played with. Philly has looked amazing, even, even with their relatively limited supporting cast. I'm curious to see how Harden disrupts chemistry. I don't think his game matches up exceptionally well with Joel Embiid, but Harden, for, for all of his faults off the court, whatever you want to say about him, the guy is a basketball genius. I think if he so chooses, he can mold his game in such a way that him and Embiid work extremely well together. And to your point, it's exactly what the Nets need um, that injection of athleticism, of defense, another fantastic shooter. And Seth Curry, um, who gives you a similar option to Patty Mills. Now you get 48 minutes of that type of shooting. Curry even provides a little bit more playmaking. Um, so I think it's great for the Nets on the contingency that Kyrie Irving can find a way to play every game in this postseason, which is probably on the shoulders of New York Mayor Eric Adams, who is a bit of a wild card, uh, to put it generously. I won't go further on that topic, um, but uh, we will see how that ultimately turns out. I think if Kyrie doesn't play every playoff game, that things get a little worrisome from Brooklyn. Like there's, there's a bit of a shortage of creativity there. And the luxury of having Harden was you would always have two, I mean, not just all NBA, like all time, creators on the floor now those games without Kyrie I think look a little bit iffy and all of a sudden you're relying a lot on a guy in Ben Simmons who the last time we saw him in the playoffs he was refusing to take open dunks so I'm, I'm slightly less bullish than you are Alex but this Nets team at full strength like I see the vision and those three guys Simmons Kyrie and Durant like just looking at it from Simmons perspective you couldn't you couldn't build a better team around Ben Simmons this, this is his dream he doesn't have to do any of the stuff he doesn't like to do he gets to do everything he does like to do uh, so I'm, 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 ex I'm, I'm excited for him. I I'm, I'm actually a Ben Simmons fan. I hope it turns out well. I, not that I hope Brooklyn wins the title, but I hope Ben Simmons gets a little redemption. Um, and I'm, I'm interested to see those two teams meet in the playoffs and just have an absolute bloodbath. 
<laughs> that would be really fun. Definitely going to be one of the most fun storyline series in maybe NBA history if slash when that happens. So that, that'll be fun to see first round, second round, wherever it ends up. Should be pretty cool. At any rate, thank you guys for listening to Locked on Knicks. Thanks for riding with us all the way up to the trade deadline. This is always like one of our most hectic points of the year, and we've made it. But that doesn't mean that we're not going to still have a lot of great content around the corner. Of course, that you know we have the draft stuff coming soon that we'll start getting into. Uh, we're going to have more Knicks games to get into. Maybe they go on a run. Maybe they don't. Whatever they end up doing, we'll be here to discuss it with you guys. But uh, thanks for listening, as always. Thanks for, thanks for uh, rocking with us and getting through the trade deadline. And we'll have plenty more coming up uh, next week and to infinity and beyond as far as the Knicks are concerned. So thanks for listening. Peace out, everybody. Talk to you all soon.